You're listening to All Things Video, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Ace Gapuz, CEO of Blogapalooza. Ace, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, James. Hello, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you may be for all our listeners. Hi. Yes, yes. So excited to have you on. You know, you and I connected, gosh, maybe a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so fun to catch up and, and, you know, hear what's happening in your side of the world. You're in Manila. Yep, yep. In the Philippines, Mabuhay. <laughs> Very good. So I thought we'd start the conversation today by getting an understanding of how did you you begin your career in media and entertainment? Yeah, that's a very good question. I'm very, very young, but I started blogging when I was 11 years old. That was 2001. And uh, back then, I recall, you know, all these chat apps, the MIRCs, were the most popular platforms back then. And we would do blogging for like fun. You know, we would write about uh, how the day went like in school, what was our lunch like, etc. So it was more of like that before, uh, an online diary. Everything started like that for me. And then I, I did all of that until the microblogging platforms became popular, like the Twitter, the Instagram, etc. Yeah, that, that is basically how I started uh, in the industry. And I built all these connections. And also, um, good to point out that uh, during those times, you know, putting up your blog was not as easy as how it's like right now. I recall before we wouldn't have the drag and drop platforms like the ones that we have right now. So I would remember I really studied HTML coding back then just so I could put up a pretty blog. But that's how I started, basically, as a blogger, as a storyteller, as someone who really just likes talking to people online. And then, yeah, it, it just um, it just grew into the business that we have right now. Awesome. So you started as a blogger. What were you, what were you blogging about? What was your original inspiration? It was really more of the stories of things that happened in my daily life. Like, um, you know, what happened at school, what, uh, what was my lunch like, uh, what I felt, um, what my friends and I did. It was really more of like a web diary that you would make people read. And uh, it was more of that before. It just blossomed into the business that we have right now. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I thought that earlier in your career, you worked in public relations for Grab, which is a Southeast Asian startup that's really reinventing transportation, right? Similar yeah. to Uber or Lyft here in the US, Grab is everywhere, right? It's, it's so much bigger than Uber and Lyft in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get that opportunity at Grab? What were you doing in the, the PR world? Uh, what did you learn from your experience there? That's a good one. Um, well, it's interesting to know that when I got the PR job in Grab. They were really just starting. That was 2012. And um, the first market was Malaysia. The second market was Philippines, Manila. And, you know, we were all very young back then. I mean, the founder was probably in his 20s back then. And um, we, 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 we just figured things out along the way. And we, when we launched it in the Philippines, I just got in touch with a couple of blogger friends, some friends from, from the traditional media, and we launched it uh, here in the Philippines, really just hoping that, okay, hopefully everything turns out well. Nine years after, eight years after, I, I think everything was um, pretty good. But, but, you know, to make things clear, I wasn't really a PR expert before. I just learned 
things along the way. And that one I am very proud of. That's great. Uh-huh. We've seen that the worlds of uh, influencer marketing and PR have, have really started to blend in recent years, right? A lot mm-hmm. of PR agencies have a long track record of working with bloggers and journalists. Yeah. And so that kind of extended naturally to influencers. So I imagine yeah. your experience as a blogger gave you a lot of firsthand knowledge of, of what a company like Grab yeah. needed to do to share its story. Yeah, so um, I also was very instrumental in really expanding the base in terms of the... Well, well, Grab started as a cab service, taxi service. It wasn't really, you know, like the Uber where you had private cars. It eventually sure. expanded to that. But when we entered the Philippine market, it was really more of like the taxi drivers. Uh, and I was instrumental with that because the operator, the owner of the largest taxi fleet in Manila, at least, is a good friend of mine. Uh, that's why... Why, you know, Grab was able to expand that fast in a very, very short period of time. And in, in 2011, uh, mm-hmm. so this was before and even while you were working at Grab, yeah. you started yeah. an event called Blogapalooza, right? To yeah. help bloggers, influencers, and fans connect offline, yeah. right? In the real world. So yeah. I'm curious, you know, what was the original idea behind hosting that event? Right. Yeah. It's interesting because, yeah, Blogapalooza really started as an event. We wanted it to be just like an avenue for the bloggers to meet and, yeah, connect on offline and meet all these uh, small business owners also to, you know, probably write about them, feature them in their blogs. It was really more of that. We didn't intend for it to be like this. We pivoted a couple of times. But, but when we started the event, it was really more of, okay, let's be friends offline. Because, you know, we know everybody online already and the blogger world was very small back then. So um, when we started that event, we were surprised with the reception of people. Everybody loved being part of Blogapalooza. At least the small blogger community back then was very enthusiastic in terms of joining that event. And so we did that over and over again for the next couple of years until the industry just really blew up. And okay, there's a need for influencers. The need for influencers was so much bigger, so much really more... um, pronounced them before and that's where we ventured into we ventured into being an agency you know a talent provider uh, all of those things so you mentioned you know you've pivoted the business model a few times along the way as an entrepreneur it's so hard to evaluate okay look at the data where's the market opportunity is my current Mm -hmm. business model working should i try something new how do you evaluate those decisions and decide okay you know we're going to make the move to become more agency focused what informed Mm -hmm. that well, uh, primarily research. Uh, the good thing, well, the not so good thing about here in the Philippines is that we're almost always a couple of years behind most countries in terms of, you know, the new things, the innovation things. So um, I would read up about, okay, what's happening in this country? Oh, they have platforms. Oh, they have influencer uh, discovery systems. And so, you know, we would plan for it. We would design it. And then we would try to market it to a couple of contacts. And then we would see, we would, we would get feedback also, how they perceive it, how they think use of it is like. And then we would, you know, adjust, either it accordingly. You know, we've pivoted many times. We've launched, you know, this system for influencer discovery. It failed. I mean, it doesn't really, I mean, the market didn't like it. Uh, we tried to edit that product. 
okay, failed again. Okay, we tried. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, over the past nine years, we've done a couple of introductions, iterations, refinements, everything that we had to really go through until finally we realized, okay, maybe in the Philippines, it's really more of a relationship-based culture. And this is how it's like also in Southeast Asia, but maybe we could talk more about that later. Uh, re- Philippines is so much relationship-based. So, you know, we we figured, okay, maybe we could just do the agency part for now because that's also our strength. Eh? Uh, we're also very strong in the community. Right now in the Philippines, we have 7,000 influencers and that encompasses all the islands of the Philippines. Uh, and that's what we leverage on when we deal with these brands. I love it. It's the quintessential lean startup model, right? Where you start with something that you know and you do a lot of research and then- Yeah, yeah. And keep improving, right? As you go along. And so right. you realize, okay, we'll launch, you know, we'll, we'll see what other markets are doing. We'll try that here in our market. Okay, that didn't quite work because in the local context, everything's very relationship driven. It's better to start with an agency model because especially influence marketing was so new in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. It probably required a lot more education, so, you know, you were doing that and then telling the story and, and making it easier to build Blogapalooza over time. Right. Yeah. We really just focused on our strengths first. And we've sort of merged all the things that we know that's happening in other countries. And we tried and we saw how it may be appropriated to our environment here in the Philippines. There are things that work, definitely. But there are also a couple that did not. And right now, we just stuck with what really works for now. I mean, of course, we have a couple of plans in the pipeline, maybe a loyalty program that we don't know yet if it will work, but we've seen it in other countries. So, you know, that's how we strategize for our business growth. You've touched on this a bit, but I'm curious to dig in a little bit deeper. How do you think the Philippines differs from other parts of Southeast Asia? Mm, okay. Oh, for one, um, we are very celebrity crazy. The culture here in the Philippines is very celebrity crazy. You know, I mean, I've seen how celebrities in other countries in Southeast Asia, you know, they could go to the malls without a mob of people really wanting to take photos with them. But here in the Philippines, even if you're just a small celebrity, you're not even that popular, there will always, always, 100%, there will always be people who would want to take photos with you. So, you know, in the Philippines, because we're celebrity crazy, no one, I mean, the celebrities were, they can't really be private people. And because of that, the celebrities here, or at least famous people in general, when you work with them on a marketing side, advertising side, they're very expensive because they're also very effective. Interesting. Yeah. Some of the things that I've noticed about the Philippines is that obviously there's a very high concentration of English speakers, right? Especially yeah. compared to other parts of mm-hmm. Southeast Asia. Do you think yeah. that that impacts the type of content that you consume or the type of content that's created and perhaps how it's monetized? That's also one advantage of of being here in the Philippines. Everybody speaks English well. Uh, That's why, you know, the types of content that they could create could reach more markets. It's not like probably other markets in Southeast Asia. I mean, of course, with the exception of Singapore or even Malaysia, but, you know... uh, here in the Philippines, since everybody speaks English well, we could we could reach more people. And and sometimes I I, I remember you know especially in YouTube content, when when the content is in English, it's monetized better than the local language content. That's mm-hmm. what I know. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one of the other things I'm curious to understand is what social media platforms are popular there. Is it primarily Instagram and YouTube? Do you see Facebook? Where are people spending their time? 
Oh, it's really Facebook now because that's where we get our news. Eh? Well, if you've heard, no, the government closed down one of the largest TV networks in the Philippines. So that's most right. of Yeah, there's also Twitter, of course, where the younger ones spend time on to get their news, of course, exchange opinions with other people. But if we talk about, you know, feasibility for brand deals, it's really Instagram and YouTube. But if you're asking me, like, where people spend their time, it's really Facebook for now. Yeah, I'd heard a couple of years ago that the Philippines was a high priority market for YouTube, namely because Facebook had done such a good job of of getting an early lead in the country. And of course, you know, Google and Facebook are often battling it out. Uh, yeah. and, and at the time, yeah, Facebook was widespread in Indonesia and Philippines in particular, yeah. where YouTube had more of a foothold in, in places like Vietnam and Thailand. Yeah. And so there was this effort from YouTube to make a bigger push into, into yeah. the country. Um, yeah. And have you seen the results of that over the past few years? Yeah, definitely. And even the telcos, the networks here in the Philippines, they've really placed focus on YouTube. I've seen, you know, these telcos giving promos for free internet if they browse in YouTube. And um, and these are really the large networks, like the global smarts of the Philippines. And, you know, they would give uh, the, the promos to the subscribers Uh, you know, free one gig every day for YouTube. And that's like 30 days, free one gig every day for YouTube, just for people to watch stuff there. And uh, I think that indicates a trend also that viewership in YouTube has grown exponentially here in the Philippines. You talked about uh, how you started blogging at an early mm -hmm. age. I'm curious, looking back at your history, have you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? Well, <laughs> I kind of just grew into it. Um, it was never really part of my plan. And, you know, I, I grew up in a very traditional Asian family where you have to study hard, get good grades so that you would land a good and high paying job. That's how it's like here when you're an Asian, you know. But, but, but you know, uh, these things really just came to me by accident. And I, I felt like, okay, I was the, I was in that situation already. What do I do? How do I make the most of it? Uh, and, and Blogapalooza really came to me as sort of like an epiphany. You know, I, I mean, well, we've been doing the event for years. Yeah. But like the, the realization that, okay, we could actually take it a step further and really register it as a formal business, really conduct uh, all these um, business activities. It, it, it really came to me as, ah, an aha moment. It's something that, oh, okay, we could actually do this. Why don't we try? And then everything, I learned that while doing it. I mean, I, I, I have an MBA, yeah. I also studied um, business in, in college and in university. But it's different when applied to real life. You know what I mean? What, what is the hardest part about being a first-time founder? What are the lessons that you learned, not you know through the MBA program, but more on the job? Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. Um, but the first thing that I thought of was really, um, you know, you know how in business school they would always say, oh, the people would be the most important resources of the company. It's been so, so, so challenging for me to find the right people for the business, honestly. And um, I mean, of course, when you don't have the right people yet, you have no choice no, but to carry everything, to do everything. And, you know, James, I would recall the time when, you know, I would be the messenger, I'd be the collecting agent, I would go to the businesses, to the offices to collect checks. I mean, I mean, online payments are not really that 
good yet here in the Philippines. And the traditional companies would still prefer to do check collections. Um, you know, I would line up in banks. I would, yeah, all of these while doing the meetings, the presentations, the pitches, you know, all of these things, I will have to do it myself. It's the first thing that really came to my mind when, when you thought of, okay, what, what's the most challenging thing? But more than that, you know, I think, I think moreover, I, it, it's also challenging to really deal with these problems or with these challenges when they're there. Because theoretically, you would know, okay, on paper, in an MBA case study, this is what ideally should happen. But in the real world, you know, there are a couple of factors that come into play. You know, you would think of your relationships, you would think of the reputation, you would think of the general environment. There's plenty of things to consider. And it's always a matter of, okay, what would be our decision? You know? Yeah, it's very true, right? You're constantly evaluating. Your job as as the founder is to think about, okay, what what has changed in the environment since the last time Mm -hmm. we made assumptions and put our business plan together and you're, you're constantly kind of moving the pieces around and, and experimenting like you said earlier and iterating mm-hmm. on on uh, you know what the outcome can be yeah yeah it's really well I think that that's the main challenge of being an entrepreneur also having to face different challenges every day it's sort of like you know you always have dragons to slay yeah that's right yeah and, and so- what you uh, you know you set out to uh, launch your next venture last year with some mm-hmm. some additional partners you founded Shopper Taming Live, mm-hmm. which is an e-commerce marketing agency with a focus, obviously, on live streaming. So, you know, why why the emphasis on live and, and how did that idea, how did that business come about? Right. Okay. Well, um, one of my co-founders in that venture, his name is Steve, uh, he attended this um, program for uh, Alibaba something, you know, I, I forgot what's that called. But what what he learned from there is that live stream is rising so sharply in in China and well if you know the Philippines we pattern a lot of the things that we do here in terms of e-commerce to China and in fact uh, in the Philippines we have two large marketplaces it's called Lazada and Shopee and we've seen also how aggressive they are in venturing into live stream selling. Well, basically what they will do is they will hire KOLs, uh, influencers, shop hosts to do the live stream while they're selling all these items. And it's good. I, we, we found it interesting that, okay, if this is something that's very huge in China, I mean, they would really have like buildings for studios there. We, we realized, okay, I mean, the Philippines, the Philippine market in general is good with, I mean, they like videos. They like engaging with people. Again, we're very relationship-based. So maybe live stream is something that will work for us. And so we put up Shoppertainment Live to to really change and, and support, in fact, to support how we think the growth will be in terms of e-commerce here. But for Shoppertainment, we're a live stream production company and we support these live stream e-commerce efforts for brands. I think that's really smart. You know, mm-hmm. live streaming has been growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. We saw some interesting news last week about Microsoft making the difficult decision to shut down Mixer mm-hmm. and redirect a lot of that traffic to Facebook gaming. So when we think about live streaming in, in the context of the U.S., it's typically, mm-hmm. you know, in a gaming context, right? Twitch mm-hmm. is kind of dominated that landscape and Facebook and YouTube and others have been, you know, jockeying for second position. But yeah. if you think about it through the lens of a, a global perspective, um, live streaming is much more popular in Asia, and it has mm-hmm. for 
for a long time now been effective at driving e-commerce. I think, you know, Asia in general and China in particular are so much further ahead of us in e-commerce. Mm -hmm. And I certainly see that that's where the market is going. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people in the early days of, of online video, digital media and influencers thought, oh, well, the big opportunity here is is advertising, right? It's branded yeah. content, it's, it's paid media. But in reality, I think the direct to consumer component of, of influencer marketing mm -hmm. has shocked people, right? That that's really where, you know, a lot of the value is being created. And I think, you know, that, that we're going to see that continue to be the case yeah. um, for e-commerce globally. Yeah, yeah. That's also how we foresee it here in the Philippines. It's rising. I mean, uh, especially, you know, when the lockdown restrictions were really imposed, everybody was, okay, what do we do next? How do we do this? And everybody went live stream. Everybody went video online. And, and everybody went e-commerce also. Of course, they can't go out of their houses. So everybody shopped online. And that was a very, very big opportunity for us to really take advantage of. So, um, that, that, I mean, you know, the lockdown was a good time for business in terms of shoppertainment. Of course. Yeah. And I imagine it's it's perhaps been a bit difficult on the blog blues aside for event marketing specifically. Yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. you can do much more on the agency side currently. But, you know, how has coronavirus impacted influencer marketing and particularly the live event space? OK, well, let me answer first the influencer marketing space. During the lockdown, uh, I've noticed I've observed a lot of influencers really lost as to, OK, what do we do next? Because a lot of these travel influencers, of course, cannot post about travel anymore. The food influencers cannot go out and try out new restaurants anymore. You know, so, so it was most of the content of these influencers had to be confined in the home setting. And that was a very big change. But in terms of live events, oh, that one, the live events industry was really, really badly hit. And uh, for us in Blogapalooza, we have an annual tradition of a large live physical event wherein, you know, all these community members from all over the Philippines, they really fly in, make the long bus rides to Manila to be in that event. But now, of course, given all the COVID scares that we experience here and the cases are rising by the day, it's, it's, um, it might be impossible to do live events for the rest of the year, at least. So uh, for us, again, in Blogapalooza, it's another opportunity to, okay, so what do we do next? How do we, how do we improve this? Do we need to pivot again? So for us, we decided to, okay, maybe we could just scrap the live event for this year and just transition to regular lives. So from Blogger Fest, which is a physical event, we just, we just you know, announced it as, okay, we're very sorry, but because of the current lockdown, we would be very scared and we would want to protect everybody's health. So we just do Blogger Live which is actually very, um, very interesting to note also that people are very, very warm about. The community received it very well. They're very active in the live sessions. That's amazing. Yeah. So what platform are you using to host the live sessions and what type of content have you uh, taken the featuring there? Yeah, we use StreamYard as a platform because it's a live session and it's good because um, StreamYard really allows for interactions for live sessions. What is coming next? If you had to make three predictions for the future of the digital media space, mm -hmm. what would they be? I'm talking with the hat of someone who knows the Philippine market very well, yeah? 
Uh, so I, I'm not sure how it's like in other parts. But at least in the Philippines and in Asia, what I foresee is, number one, we would be very, very quantitative in terms of how we deal with influencers. Again, I mentioned in the Philippines, we're celebrity crazy. We're obsessed about image, reputation. So, you know, so it plays a big role right now. But Oh, you know, there are a lot of celebrities, big names that are big, good with in terms of image and reputation, but don't really produce the numbers. So that's the first thing that I would see. Maybe the focus would be more on the quantitatives. That's the first one. The second one would be we would be more um, niche, like we would be specialized in terms of verticals. The reason why I say this is because, you know, the the there's so many influencers already. There are a lot of new ones, really good ones, but but are new in the industry. And of course, these ones will grow. You know, if they're consistent, they would be they would be there for for a very long time. And it's challenging for those who have been there for quite some time already. Uh, you know, there's always a threat for the new people who are better. So the best way for for us to go about it is if we specialize in a specific niche or if there's something that we're really, really, really good at, that we will be known for that. And number three would be there will be more smaller groups that would be a result of all these niching, vertical grouping. I think there would be more influencer groups that would be focused on food more influencer groups that would be focused on fashion. You know, I think these influencers will self-assemble and it will be easier for brands to engage with these influencers in the long run. But again, you know, I'm wearing the hat of someone who knows what the Philippine market is like and in general how Southeast Asia is like. And this is how I see it for the next maybe two to three years. Yeah, I think that's really smart, right? If the internet has done anything, it's uh, made niche content more readily available yeah. for audiences, right? Who would have thought that we would have content formats like unboxing, right? Or haul I videos. Oh, yeah, true. That would never have existed in traditional media that have, you know, found a home on places like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, right? React video, all these, all this different type of content that is uh, a native digital format, right? Comes, yeah. comes directly from the internet. So I think that's smart. Are there any particular niches that you feel are underserved or there's not enough content for just yet that you think will be growing in popularity in the future? Ooh, um, well, first thing I could think of is pets. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there, well, at least here, you know, uh, I, I see a lot of, of, of millennials, of people who are already in the marrying age and the start the family age who don't really want to start a family, but they just become pet parents. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the, that's the first one. I think also second would be home. There's not a lot of creators, influencers that talk about the home setting, maybe building a home, designing a home. And, you know, given, given quarantine restrictions, I think it would be more popular. How do you design a small space? What are the most economical uses of, you know, these material, whatever makeup, fashion, those are really saturated ones. Well, yeah, maybe maybe pets and home. <laughs> maybe pets yeah, and home. I like it. All these DIY home improvement shows on traditional television, right? You have a whole HGTV network focused yeah. on home improvement. 
and not enough of that content on the internet. I think we're going to see, you know, growth there. Um, perhaps the, the challenge today is that, you know, it's, it's um, pretty expensive to produce that type of content, right? To do like a home renovation show or, you know, real estate show. It, there's, there's a lot of high costs involved in real estate. And so you have those budgets maybe more so in television and not in digital, but I'm, I'm confident that someone's going to figure that out, right? That there's got to be a way to, to, like you said, figure out, okay, how do I decorate, redecorate my home on a budget, right? Or I'm in a yeah. small space. We're all thinking about that right now in quarantine, right? It, our physical yeah. environments, what can I do with the resources that I have yeah. to, you know, to transform this space a little bit more? Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe, okay, they have a small room. How do they make a Zoom background worthy, quote unquote, case <laughs> in that room, you know? That's right. All of these creative things that are confined to the home setting. I think that will really increase in numbers. Yeah. And what does the future hold for Blogapalooza? Well, we will be innovating more and more. Uh, we will um, evolve as the market evolves. And uh, hopefully, we will get to find the best people <laughs> to be part of the team. It's always been a challenge for me, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Fantastic. Ace, one of the questions I ask everyone who comes on the show, and I yeah. think you'll have a very unique answer to this, so I'm excited. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I ask you, if you were starting a business in the digital media space today, what would you do? And the thought behind the question is, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're, there's that part of your brain that's always looking at problems and saying, okay, how can we do this better? You know, you did that with uh, live events in the Philippines, you did that with an influencer agency, you're now doing that with live streaming and e-commerce. So I'm, I'm sure you have no shortage of these ideas and inspiration for other entrepreneurs listening. You know, where do you see the gaps? What is something that could further be improved and you would start a business around? I think I would start with a community. Maybe say when I want to start a business online, I would first build that initial group of people who would really believe in that idea so much that, okay, I'm in, I'm going to help you. They won't be fully committed. I understand that. But it's important that we get this initial group of people to rally behind us and support the initial idea. Of course, when that idea evolves, when that you know, when it when it grows further into other ideas and ventures, you might not have these people already. But it's important that we get to build that first few people who would you know really help us with that idea. I think everything else you can figure it out along the way. You could get the help of an accountant or legal counsel, etc. But like the main, main, main idea and people who would really, you know, fight tooth and nail for it. I think that's important that we have it at the onset. And Ace, where can people find out more about you and more about Blogapalooza? Oh, yeah. Well, they could visit Blogapalooza's website. That's blogapalooza.ph. Bravo Lima Oscar Golf Alpha. Papa Alpha Lima Oscar Oscar Zebra Alpha. I spell it out all the time because people get it wrong. Sometimes they do double Gs and, and all that. But it's blogapalooza.ph. You could find me, uh, acegapwas.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram is also acegapwas. That's me. Well, Ace, thank you so much for taking some time to share your experience as an entrepreneur and guiding us through you know, what life is like, what the digital media landscape looks like in the Philippines and more broadly throughout Southeast Asia. This has been so much fun.
thank you, thank you so much, James. It's been an amazing, amazing experience for me. And this is my first time ever to guest in an international podcast. Huh? Hey, <laughs> thank amazing. you for that experience. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's been so much fun having you on. And, and we should mention that you also host your own podcast. So it's uh, you're no stranger to the format. Mm-hmm. Tell people out there a little bit more about your show. Oh, I do host Rated I Podcast. It's a podcast that talks about the lives, inspirational stories of influencers beyond social media. I mean, we see all these influencers in social, you know, wearing all the nice things, going to all the beautiful places, eating the, the, the best food. But how are their lives like? offline you know we talk about their struggles their stories uh, their advice and tips also for aspiring content creators it's always a good experience to to learn from them to learn from their lives how they started etc you can find rated i in all podcast uh, platforms that's um anchor spotify google podcast uh, apple podcast etc it's all there it's called rated i ace thank you again so much fun getting to chat with you today Thank you so much, James, and all the best for you and your podcast, also for Paladin. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.